Hello, and welcome to Firsts. I'm your host, Lisa Curiel-Parker, and this is a podcast about first times that range from your first psychedelic to your first one-night stand. It's full of stories from people around me, friends, family, strangers on the street, whoever wants to come in and talk. Hopefully, my guests and I can make you think, cry, and maybe even laugh a little. Today's topic is first stalker. So this isn't the funniest of topics, but I will try my best to entertain. I don't quite have a stalker story. What I consider stalking or strange behavior is a lack of privacy by the other person, kind of getting into your personal space and a sense of danger. So the strangest experience I had with an individual was I had a friend and he was a blurred, or he's an ex-friend now, and a blurred is a black nerd. So we would always talk about video games and comic books and he was a real dick to me in middle school and he didn't become my friend till high school when everyone started picking on him more so and I realized, oh, he's not that bad. And he was kind of nice to me, junior, senior high of high school. And during my undergraduate years at USC, I was heavily involved in photography and videography, and he was a part of this nonprofit program that kind of, the best way to describe it is it was this platform where they wanted to provide free music for social issues, so kind of like Bob Dylan-esque type music for free for people to use for social activism. And they needed a photographer and a videographer because the person starting the organization was a famous musician back in the 70s and he began this program with his daughter, so I got in contact with the daughter who was in her mid-40s and we connected really well and so this blurred my friend I shouldn't call I shouldn't call him that but so we'll call him Chris so Chris he hit me up about this job and we connected and we hung out before that because we had to figure out what exactly I was taking photos of and what kind of video they wanted. He was kind of my liaison to the daughter of this famous musician. And so there was an, it was the first day of the job and we go there, we go to the event, their first event at USC and I'm taking videos, taking photos. And then he's like, what you up to? afterwards and during that time I was living with an alcoholic and a pothead I talked about these roommates in a previous episode but they were all over the place and it was a Thursday so for anyone who is in college has been in college or is going to be in college Thursday is when you start drinking thirsty Thursdays so I'm like oh, I'm probably gonna drink with my roommates because that was this tradition we had and I'm one of those people where I always have a crew around or I bring a crew and I don't like to show up places alone. So I invited my best friend Fabian and Brianna over to come hang out because I did not want to be drunk around him or my roommates. Like it was just an awkward, it was, it was literally every type of awkward person in this room and I was like, I need my friends to have a good time. So I call Brianna and I'm like, can you please come over tonight? She's like, sure. And so Chris c 
comes and he at the time I was with my high school boyfriend so I was in a relationship that is important to know for this story and so Chris we're having some drinks and our drink of choice my roommates and I was gin and juice literally like in a giant bowl and dumping a cup in it and Chris brought Heineken's or some light beer and at the time I was like damn you have shitty taste in beer it wasn't Heineken it was like something lighter than that and he's like yeah I don't really drink and so he comes over and we're all hanging out we're playing King's Cup and other drinking games and at this time my roommates two women had fallen in love with each other and they were exceptionally toxic for one another they didn't know how to communicate so this was going in the going on in the background and so Chris gets drunk off of two beers. He's like six foot four. I don't understand how that even happened. He was probably faking it. And so he, so there's like seven people in my apartment. And then one of my roommates decides to invite four of her high school friends from Sunnyvale. And so there's like 10 people in the apartment now. And Chris is getting so belligerent. He's starting to tell me things like, I've always been in love with you, like you shouldn't be with your ex. And this came out of left field. This is this guy in middle school and high school who is the biggest dick to everyone. Like you can't tell if he's doing that stupid thing where he pretends to be mean to like you or he's or he's just a horrible human being. I couldn't tell. But I was always trying to be nice to him because I felt bad. And it got very uncomfortable and I felt claustrophobic. So I was like, McDonald's? I'm drunk, like chicken nugget time. So I am I grab Fabian and I hold him arm in arm. He is like my brother and my confidant and would protect me if anything went down. So I felt safe with him. And Brianna was holding Chris. And so we start leaving the apartment. And at this point, there's like seven of us now. The group gets smaller and we're walking and so we're walking and Chris is yelling at me like Lisa 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 let me talk to you like I just want to tell you something like come here let me talk to you blah 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 like very uncomfortable I'm in a relationship and don't have any feelings like that for him whatsoever so <laughs> these like four white frat guys start yelling at him they're like oh shit you can't talk to that lady like you suck dick or some like stupid they're just yelling at him because he can't get a hold of me and he straight up loses his shit and he's like you know what i got a motherfucking gun in my car like do you want to fuck with me in my mustangs right there he drove a black mustang and to this day i can't stand seeing a black mustang and he's like i got it in the glove box of my car like you really want to mess and I turn to him and I'm like you do not have a gun in your car and we start walking he's like nah I'm just playing with them and I was that was a red flag I was just thinking you can't do that you can't just yell I have a gun in anywhere that's not appropriate and so we finally get to McDonald's and he's drunk so drunk he's grabbing at me and trying to get my attention and I'm sitting far away with Fabian and Brianna is this short little girl and she is holding him down she is doing her best so we eat fast and we get back to the apartment and 
Brianna or Fabian had work early in the morning and they decided to leave. And so Brianna, she kind of looks at me and she, she goes, are you okay? Is it okay if I leave? Do you feel safe? And I said, yeah, I'll figure it out. And I'm exhausted at this point. And so I go into my room and I my roommate in my room at the time was this girl from the East Coast, very socially awkward, probably had never dealt with a drunk person like this before. And so I go and I'm laying down and I lock my bedroom door. I honestly didn't feel that safe. She comes in and she goes, he really wants to talk to you. He says he won't leave unless you talk to him. And I go, no, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to waste my time. She sat with him for about 20 minutes. I tell her, come on in, like, just go to bed. Don't worry about him. And at this point, he is shuffling around the apartment, like slamming the bathroom doors. She's in the bedroom with me now. And she tries, he, Chris tries to open my bedroom door. Like he's turning the knob a lot and she she passed out and then the two roommates who are in love with each other are passed out throwing up in their room i don't easily fall asleep so i call brianna they were neighbors and so i said can you come pick him up and take him home she says yeah and she comes she comes really quick she comes up and i and i walk past him and he's like lisa talk to me and i'm like fuck this i go downstairs to get to let brianna in because there was a lot of security in this apartment. She comes upstairs and she, she's like five foot two. And this guy's like six foot four. He sprawled on my couch. Brianna, Brianna, oh, she's such a badass. She grabs him and she's like, Chris, we gotta go. Like, we gotta go right now. And he's like, no, no, like, I'll sleep over. I'll leave in the morning. And she goes, nope, you are not sleeping here. We are leaving right now. I am taking you home. So stern. I'm starting to yell. I'm getting really... I'm getting really frustrated and I said, you can't stay here. I don't want you here. Like, please leave. And he's like, no, like, I love you, Lisa. Like, I don't want to leave. I was like, I don't like you. This is bullshit. And Brianna starts drag, like pulling him up and he puts his fist up and then I put my fist up. But more surprisingly, Brianna puts her fist up in his face and he slumps down, starts crying his eyes out. And he's like, I can't go home. I can't go home. No one can see me like this. I can't believe I'm being like this. Like if I go home, my little brother's gonna be like this. And then the girl I've been in love with since eighth grade is seeing me like this and the nicest girl in the world that I've ever met, referring to Brianna. And I was just like, I told Brianna, I'm going home with you. This motherfucker won't leave. And so I go home or I go to Brianna's home and I'm with her. We sleep. We sleep it off and we go to the apartment because I texted my roommates. I was like, are you okay? Like I asked her before I left if it was okay and she said it was fine. So I come back because I had the job to do. I had this motherfucking job to do the next day to go shoot another event for this nonprofit. I get into my apartment and there's a note. There's a note on my table and it looks like the Joker wrote it. I'm pretty sure he was drunk, but it's chicken scratch and there's weird drawings on it of, I don't really remember for sure. It might've been faces and symbols and things, but the letter, the letter pretty much says, hey, had a great time last night. Hope we can do it again. 
yada yada yada. And there's five dollars for the McDonald's that Brianna paid. She had paid for his McDonald's. And at the end of his letter, he goes, P.S. Let me know if you ever break up with Gio. Gio was my ex at the time. And I nearly lost it. I called my my boss, the daughter of the musician, of, and then the create pretty much the co-creator of the nonprofit, and I said, "Hey, this is really awkward, but I don't feel safe working with this individual, and I have to. There's been some circumstances, and I have to quit this job. I'm so sorry, and I deeply apologize." And she was trying to reel it out of me. It took 30 minutes, but she was like, "What happened? Who was it?" I was like. I'm not naming names and I'm not getting into detail, but there was an incident last night that was way too severe and I don't, I cannot work with this individual. And over and over, she kept asking who, what, blah, and I was like, I can't say it. So I'm sorry and good luck. And I hung up. I couldn't, I couldn't effing deal with it. And so that's not quite the end of the story. Brianna returns the $5 and writes a note and puts it in his mailbox and it says something along the lines of if I accept this five dollars that means I accept your apology which I don't <laughs> and I just like oh my god it was one of the proudest moments and I think about six months to a year later I was in a car with all my high school friends, there was maybe eight or nine of us in the car and they'd known this story. And we see Chris walking in the street and Fabian yells, fag, or like, fuck you or something. And then you see another friend of mine just waving at him with the biggest smile. And I just like, I think I was flipping him off. I don't know, it was the funniest thing, but he lived near Brianna. So it was really uncomfortable because I would sometimes go there. So. Not quite a stalker, but a very strange and uncomfortable and what could have been a possibly dangerous situation. For anyone who has gone through anything like that, it's very scary. Some people close to me have and luckily are safe and nothing serious has happened. And if anything like that does, you buy a taser. Women... I got two tasers and I got some mace, so you sleep next to a bat. I don't know what else to say. I think it was my sophomore year of college. I no, it had to be my my freshman year of college. I kind of had a stalker that I didn't really realize was a stalker until I was talking to my friends about it later. Um, but I had met this guy randomly, um, he went to my school, you know, we kind of hit it off as like friends, I wasn't attracted to him or anything, um, and I was kind of talking to another guy. I was a collegiate athlete, so I was gone away from my apartment a lot. I lived on campus in, um, in, uh, basically apartment style housing. After I met this guy and we were like friends, like, uh, you know, say hi, we're friendly to each other. Suddenly, he started showing up in my apartment, um, uninvited, unannounced, and he would just, like, hang out there until I got home. So I, you know, asked my roommates, like, why are you letting him in, you know? And they're like, well, we know him, like, but you don't know him that well, and he's he's specifically waiting for me. Like, he would ask if I was home, and they'd say no, and he'd just come in and wait for me, and it was really weird. Um, so there was a couple times where I'd come home, and I'd either be with the guy that I was 
dating or I'd just come home from a tournament or something and he'd be there and it was really awkward. Basically that went on for probably two months, three months. Um, and then when, you know, I made it perfectly clear that I was specifically dating and in a relationship with this other guy, he kind of let off a little bit, but he still like kept popping up every once in a while. The next year, I still in a relationship with the same guy. He started showing up a little bit more often and kind of like checking up on how things were going with me and my boyfriend at the time. And just, I don't know how to describe it, but it just, it made me feel really awkward. Um, and then next thing I know, he applied for a job that I had on campus and we were hiring new people and I had to interview him <laughs> as part of, you know, the process. And it was really strange. And um, he was very, he had the qualifications for the job. He was qualified. <laughs> he was very qualified for the job. Um, so interviewing him was strange because I definitely didn't want him. I didn't, I would be the person training him and I definitely didn't want that. But I also wanted to not be, you know, bias. So that was an interesting conversation with my boss. Basically, I, I ended up breaking up with my ex and this guy, he kind of just disappeared and that was the end of that. I think he found somebody else to go after. So that was comforting for me, I guess. I think he was scared of my boyfriend because <laughs> anytime that me and my boyfriend would show up to the apartment and he was there, it would be like, oh, I came to see somebody else that lives. I lived with eight people. So, um, and yeah, I'm leaving now. <laughs> so I think it, I, that was definitely not who he was into. <laughs> um, so at one point I was talking, you know, I told my roommates, like, if I'm not home and he's asking for me, don't let him in. Like, obviously it's, it's weird. It's creepy. And they're like, but we know him and he's nice, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, just don't do it. If I'm not here and he's asking for me, don't do it. And then um, at one point I was talking to one of my roommates. I was telling her about all this and she's like, oh no, that's something that he does. Like he's got a, apparently had a reputation for doing that where he would basically find a girl and essentially, you know, stalk her and show up at her house unannounced and uninvited and just wait there for her and um, like, hours apparently somebody told me that he was at my apartment for like three or four hours at one point when i got the validation i guess from one of my roommates the rest of them decided oh maybe we shouldn't let this guy into our apartment when nobody's here so that was um kind of comforting finally when that happened no i never i never called the cops on him um i never felt threatened by him it was just more of like an unwelcome presence Uh, so my first stalker was actually a girlfriend. Um, we dated first for about three months and things were going okay. She seemed all right. She definitely seemed like she had had a few like little like tri little, little bit of baggage, but you know, not more than like most girls. So at the time I was dating her, we were in a very important semester in school. Um, I was taking this documentary class and I was really like into it and I wanted to make sure I did a really good job. And, I, and after three months of dating her, I was like, I wasn't getting a lot of work done because she lived 45 minutes away from me. So 
Every night I'd be killing like an hour and a half going back and forth to her place. Because at the time, I still lived with my parents, and like I wasn't going to invite a girl over to my parents' house when she had her own unsupervised place. Just probably realized I probably shouldn't have said that with my fiancé in the room. <laughs> After three months, I was like, hey, look, I really can't handle having a girlfriend right now. I'm just falling behind in school, and I really need to like keep up with it. Um, and then she didn't take it so well. She was like, no, no, no. And... I just ended up like, yeah, I'm sorry, like, like I just can't handle a re relationship right now. And I was thinking, like, maybe we could pick something back up after the semester if, if we're still interested in each other. I never said that to her because I didn't want to, like, promise her something and then not follow through, um, you know, come summer in case, you know, both of us had, you know, had different feelings uh, at that point. So um, the other worst part about this was that we worked together. And um, initially she started to keep it civil. And then one day I discover a key mark across the back of my car. And I'm thinking to myself, who the hell would have done this? Was, I was really like pissed off about it. So one day at work, um, she's working the same day too. And we had kind of stopped like talking, um, just like wouldn't stop contacting me, trying to get me to talk to her. And to the point where I just had to start kind of ignoring her in order to get anything done because my phone was just blowing up all the time. Like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Do you want to like go out again? And I just was like, no, I'm busy. And so um, one day while coming to uh, coming out of work to go to my car to go to lunch, I find two fresh fat key marks down the hood of my car. Um, so fresh that the, the paint was still like peeled up. There's fresh paint shavings all over my car, all over the hood of my car, and she she's like keyed it down to the metal. Now at the time going out, I had no idea it was her. I, I was like, what the fuck? Somebody keyed my car again? I will have my vengeance. And <clears throat> I found out from a friend, or I went in um, after lunch and I uh, a friend of mine that worked there, who like, we were like really good work friends. And I was like, somebody fucking keyed my car. Like, this is bullshit. Like, what the hell? Like, who just goes and keys somebody else's car? It's so rude. And then she was like, oh, I was just on Facebook. And um, at the time, I had blocked this girl on Facebook. And my, uh, like, work friend was still friends with her. But, like, not really friends. Like, they were Facebook friends, but that's it. And so she was like, yeah, she just posted this. And she shows it to me, and it's the lyrics to the Carrie Underwood song. Um, I don't know what the hell it's called, but it's the one that goes, I put my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. Um, and I was just like, I didn't have a pretty little souped-up car, and I did not have four-wheel drive. So clearly the song is not about me, but that's what she thinks, because um, she was crazy. She was just borderline crazy. Uh, and she, because that song was about cheating, and she kept asking me, like, are you cheating on me? You're cheating on me with somebody else, aren't you? And I was just like, no, no, I'm not. Like, I just I literally need to finish this documentary class, and you, like, I just, you're too far away. You're too far away for me to come see you every night. Um, and, like, I took this class seriously. I'd be up to, like, four in the morning editing, like, most nights, trying to just get it perfect. Um, so... Um, so after the whole car keying fiasco, like I fill out a police report, um, cause everybody that I've ever met has, was like, oh, you should get a police report for things like that just to have. And so I got a police report filled out and, um, kind of fit. And I 
don't remember if I let her know or not, but I just still continue to not talk to her because I didn't want to give her any kind of ammunition to come at me with. Oh yeah, so at one point she just starts like texting me, threatening me with like bodily harm to herself if I don't go back if I don't go back out with her again and I'm like I can't do that. I'm sorry because like you can't just have me like go back out with you by force because like it's not going to be a happy relationship. I don't know if you know how relationships work. Like typically it's got to be a mutual thing between two people. Um, and so she just kept threatening herself to the point where like I was really like concerned and she was like, I'm going to really hurt myself if you don't get back together with me. And so I ended up calling the police and being like, yo, I got an ex-girlfriend. Uh, and at this point, we hadn't been dating for like four months or three three or four months we had we had not been dating for. And we only dated for three. So this was like bad. And so I ended up calling the cops. I was like, look, she, my, my ex-girlfriend's going crazy. She keeps telling me that she's going to hurt herself if I don't get back together with her. And I'm just not going to get back together with her because she's threatening herself because that would be crazy as well. Um, and so they're like, okay, we'll go check on her. And so they go to her house um, or her apartment, like apartment house thing. Anyways, they get, they find her and they take her to the hospital and put her on suicide watch. Um, and while she's there, they let her have her phone and she is just texting me, nonstop texting me. I can't believe you did this to me. Why, how could you do this to me? I hate you. I hate you so much. I never want to see you again. I can't believe you did this to me. Just, just literally for hours straight texting me those same messages over and over again. To the point where, like, I had to get up for work the next day and I needed to go to bed, so I turned my phone off and I went to sleep. Not very well, but I eventually went to sleep. And so I woke up in the next morning, turned my phone back on, and there's about a billion more messages from her. And the last ones are, like, saying they finally let me out of the of, of the suicide watch ward or whatever they have at hospitals for that. I don't know if it's called the suicide watch ward. Not that to laugh at suicide because it's not funny. She's like, I, they, I lied to them to let them know that, uh, to, to let... I lied to them to get me to let them out. Now I'm really going to go, like, kill myself. And I was just like, oh, my God. Um, okay. So I just rushed to work. Um, and I, like, go to HR. And I'm like, hi. Um, I know you're not supposed to date at work. Like, it's usually not. doesn't work out well. This is one of those cases. So I'm really sorry. Here's all these text messages. I don't know what to do. So my HR takes over. She gets a bunch of, she makes a bunch, you know, calls with police. Uh, police go to her apartment, look in her window. She's just like sleeping. And she's basically the whole time been like playing me. Um, the only reason that like I actually had a, con a legitimate concern is because at one point before she got um, put into the hospital uh, to be watched, she sent me a picture of like her arm like cut a little bit with some blood. And that was like completely sent me off like the deep end. I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm dealing with an incredibly unstable person, and basically I have their life in my hand. Or hands. Um, so, yeah. And then, eventually, we just, my our managers, like, after, like, everything kind of settled and everyone had been talked to properly, my manager settled, or, or my manager and her manager of her department um, put us on opposite schedules up until... I uh, ended up going away to college, so that was that was my first and hopefully last stalker story. I was working at Bob's Market 
Um, it was a store in Santa Monica. It was a grocery store. I was working there for about two years. I was about, I want to say, 17 when I first had my encounter with the stalker. My first encounter ever with the stalker. Um, this guy, he would always come in probably every other day. And he'd always find me and just talk to me forever. And it, he would never let me, like, get back to work. I'd have to be, like, really rude. And I was pretty polite. I'd try to, you know, kind of, like, talk my way out of it. And he would just keep talking and talking and talking. And I, he just, it, this would happen every day. And I was like, I, I don't get if this guy's really friendly or if this guy actually, if he's stalking me. So... One day I was I was walking home after my shift and I'm only 17. Um, I get to my car and I see him. He was waiting outside, and I so I ran to my car, and this happened probably a couple times. Flash a couple a couple weeks ahead from then. It's a weekend. It's one of my days off on at the grocery store, and I'm driving to uh, work for my dad in Beverly Hills. And I'm driving and I see the guy on the side of the road and I'm stuck in traffic and and he goes, he sees me and he kind of like weighs me down. He was smoking a cigarette, talking to a cop. I'm like, what the heck? And he, and he, and he like stops the car, completely disregards the cop, <clears throat> like, like rude, just like cuts him off. And flicks a cigarette right in front of the cop. I was like, oh my god. And he comes, walks right to my car. And he tells me to roll down my window. And I'm like, oh my god, what is going on right now? I'm in Beverly Hills. I'm like 20, I want to say 10 to 15 miles away from my job. And he's there. And he goes, hey, you're a long way from work, aren't you? Do you have the day off? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go work for my dad doing construction, doing some demolition, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, can I tell you something? And before I could say anything, he's like, you are so fucking hot. And this guy is like, this guy's like 40 years old. He's bald. I'm fucking 17. And this guy's, this guy's rock hard for me. <laughs> and then that made me very uncomfortable. Before I could even say anything, the light turned green. Traffic started going. I was like, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> and then the next day, the very next day, no, no, two days from then, I had to work back at Bob's and, and he was there sure enough. And he, he's like, hey, like, he just showed up, and I'm trying to avoid him, and he's just waiting for me. I could tell he's just waiting for me. I had to go up to the register to be a cashier, and I was like, you know, because I kind of did a little bit of everything at the grocery store. Sometimes I had stocks. Sometimes I would be register, and they called me up to the register, and I'm like, fuck, he's right there waiting for me. And I walk up there, and he kind of stopped me, and he's like, Hey, if you ever, like, do you want a job? Like, I can get you a job. I can get you a full-time job. Like, you could just quit here and work for me. And I was like, ah, oh, no thanks. Like, I, I like working here. <clears throat> Dry throat, sorry. And so I kind of just, like, avoided him. And, and he would just come in every, almost every day after that. Until I think probably like it took him like four months to realize that i'm just not interested i was just so uncomfortable i didn't know how to respond to it it was just it sucked every time he'd come in i'd tell my manager like oh he's in here because i kind of tell them what happened 
And I'm like, oh, let me go to the back. Let me stalk in the back. And I'd kind of hide from him every time he came in. And that's how I just kind of slowly dissipated. First is me, Lisa Curia Parker. Today's guests include Matt, who has a wonderful fiance and is happily living back in Massachusetts, stalker free. Jeff Cote, a freelance photographer in Los Angeles, and Janine Gray, who is currently pursuing her master's in strategic public relations at USC. What? what? So thanks for listening to First. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did that much, please share with your friends. It really helps get the stories out there, whatever you want to do. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast streaming services. If you want to be on the show or have any comments or questions, email podcastfirsts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And go get a bat. Sleep with it next to your bed. Although if you've met my fiance, you might wonder if she's a stalker. Okay, that's funny as I thought it would be. <laughs>